All right, so we are in Proverbs chapter 25, and I want to start reading in verse 6. It says, Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldst be put lower in the presence of the prince, whom thine eyes have seen. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou not know what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. In this passage right here, we're seeing you know uh, the writer, Solomon, he's trying to give some wisdom when it comes to just kind of putting yourself out there. Uh, you want to be careful about when you do that, because if you're not careful, if you go and you put yourself out there, and position that you're just not ready for, you can end up doing more harm than good. You can end up bringing shame to yourself. And so, you know, you don't want to just go and put yourself in the presence of a king because he might not want you there. He might call you away. You're, you end up being embarrassed. It's better to just kind of stay in your place. And then if you get called to the presence of the king, if you get called to speak, you know, then, you know, you have your opportunity and you're not going to be ashamed. I guess a way you could look at it too, for example, you know, in the church service, if, you know, maybe we're discussing something really important, something really deep, and then I'm like, you know, I'm just really trying to figure out what to do, and I, I'm really struggling to come up with the answers, and then all of a sudden, you know, Austin just steps up, well, you know what, I've got the answer. And then he just gets up and he says something really dumb. You know, man, that guy really thought he knew it all, and then he just went and ran his mouth and just looked like an idiot, okay? And then we're all going to think he's arrogant. And all kinds of bad things about him. But if I'm just like, you know, I just can't figure out what to do. You know, Austin, what do you think? And then he's just, well, you know, and then he says something stupid. You know, at least nobody's going to think of him as being arrogant and a know-it-all and just trying to put, you know, he got, you know, he got called on when it came to this type of thing. He didn't just insert himself. And so even though he messed up, you know, he's able to kind of save face and, not end up making himself look really bad, even though it's the same idea. Just because he waited to be called on instead of calling himself. He says, um, because it's better to be, you know, said, you know, for them to say, come up hither. And so, and then it goes on and says, go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou not know what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. You know, don't be anxious to get in a conflict when you're not ready for it. You know, don't be anxious to just go and straighten everything out and straighten everybody out. You know, if you see a fight going out there, you know, be careful getting in the middle of it. Make sure, hey, is this something you can actually do anything about? You know, if you got like two massive guys, you know, duking it out, and you think you're going to get in between that, you know, you're probably going to get yourself in more trouble. You know, you, you need to use wisdom. And, you know, the, the wonderful thing about the book of Proverbs it is it's, it's teaching wisdom because when it comes to life and how we operate and what we do, it's not always just a set of cut and dry rules. This is right. This is wrong. There's something time. There's a time for some things and there is a time to not do some things. And then he goes on in verse nine. He says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. You know, sometimes there is a time when a debate is needed, when uh, a there's a disagreement and you got to get with somebody and you've got to talk about these things. You've got to kind of hash these things out and figure out what's going on. And I was thinking about this week because, of course, I watched the debate. All right, who watched the debate this week? 
And you know what? Let me tell you. Yeah, that, that debate was embarrassing. I mean, I'm, I'm watching. I remember the next day I'm thinking about it. I was like, man, that was so bad. And, you know, I think the whole country was embarrassed. And, you know, let's face it. Okay, let's just, let's just be honest. Debates are kind of like boxing matches, all right? You know, we're not really, you know, we're not supposed to be brawlers and fighting. But at the same time, we all respect, you know, a fight, you know, that's regulated, where there's a referee, where there's rules. We all enjoy watching guys get out and beat each other up, don't we? And, you know, debating is not something that we really should be just doing with each other. You know, it's, it's a bad thing. It's kind of a carnal thing. But at the same time, too, we are all entertained by a debate where there's a moderator and there's some rules. And then we hope to see people do what they did this week in the debate, even though we know it's just not real dignified when, you know, the leader of our country and a potential leader of our country is up there acting like children. It, it, it's frankly, it's embarrassing and you know, we need to be careful when it comes to debate. And you say, well, I, I never be in a debate. Well, you know what? We actually can get in debates all the time. Because, for example, you can get in a debate tonight if you just go on Facebook. And listen, there is a time and there is a place for you to debate someone. Debate is not always a sin. Okay, Right here it's telling you to debate thy cause of thy neighbor himself. Okay? There's a way to do it. If you're having a problem with your neighbor and you're having a disagreement, that's not the time to call the local TV station and to hire a moderator and say, hey, me and my neighbor, we're having a little feud going and we're going to have a debate and we're going to get the public all involved you know, and we're going to see who most people think is right. You know, that would be foolish. Okay, That would be a debate and that would be bad. But you going and discussing a disagreement, you're debating you know, but that's not necessarily a sin. It's not necessarily a sin all the time. Now, some people think it might think it is because in Romans 1, in verse 29, it says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. And so people say, all those things are bad things. This is talking about the reprobate. And so if somebody debates, they're a reprobate. All right. Now, I don't think anybody says that, but here's the thing. If all debates a sin, then all whisperings a sin. Okay, you parents that whisper over to your kids, hey, you better be good. You didn't spank when we go home. Reprobate, all right? Because you know, Bible says whispers. But you, we get the context of it. There is appropriate whispering. Okay, if you're going to threaten your kid, you know, it's better to whisper it to them. We all don't need to hear it, and you're not violating Romans chapter one. Okay, but if you're whispering in the sense that you're just always just kind of conniving, you're plotting, you're speaking against people, you know, you're saying things that, you know, you don't want public because you're dishonest, that, you know, that type of thing, that is always bad. And so there is, there's wrong debate, there's right debate. At the end of the day, you know, there, there's a place, there's a way to do things. And most of what we see today when it comes to debate is sin. Most of it is sin. And, and it's wrong but you can't just say it is all the time. But I do think it's very dangerous. Debate is very dangerous. Okay, I, I shouldn't go and like that man who shouldn't go and put himself before the king. I shouldn't go and put myself in a debate for, you know, when it comes to certain issues, when it comes to certain things. I wouldn't want to be in a presidential debate. I don't know enough about the issues. If they start talking about certain economic policies, I'm going to I'm going to have a look at my face like Joe Biden when he doesn't have a teleprompter in front of him. And everybody's going to be making fun of me. You know, 
I'm going to start rambling. And then I'm just going to get angry and just start lashing out like Donald Trump, you know, when he doesn't like what Joe Biden says. You know, I'm, I'm going to act like those guys if I do that. And so, but at the same time, too, you know, there might come a time where there's an issue, there's a fight, there's a battle, and I might get called on to speak for something. And, and except I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to just go into some moderated debate, but I do think there's a time and place for it. I get asked to do debates all the time. I had a guy just the other day ask me if I'd be willing to do uh, an online debate with a homo. And I said, no. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like I, I'm not, not interested in that. Not interested at all. And, uh, and then I, I had another guy uh, a year or so ago, a couple years ago. You know, I don't even know who this guy was. And he like wanted to do a debate with me on repentance. I'm just like, no. I was like, I don't know you. And, and I looked him up. The guy had like no following or anything. And I'm thinking, all I'm going to do is bring attention to you. And you're obviously a heretic. So, you know, why would I do that? And I'll say more about that in a little bit. But let's look at a few reasons on why debates are foolish. And I'm, tell, and I'm encouraging you this because I'm not telling you don't go watch the you know, next debate. I mean, don't watch the next debate. It's on Wednesday night. You know, right after church. I think it's right after church. So, I mean, I, I can't make, you know, I can't stop you from leaving right after service and, you know, watching that stuff. But I better not, if I preach long, I better not catch anybody looking at it during service. That'd be really carnal. But turn over to Proverbs chapter 25. Right? I do believe they're foolish. I do believe they're dangerous. It's something we ought to try to avoid. And, again, I'm talking to you because any of us can get caught up in debates anytime. And they can be very public. Thanks to social media. But first off, in Proverbs 25, 8, it says, Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. So we're not going to be anxious. We shouldn't be anxious to argue with people. We shouldn't be anxious to put ourselves out there. When we're going to debate, do it with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. You go and you put your debates out there publicly, Okay, you might be able to you know, get away with beating your neighbor in a debate, but you go and you put it out there publicly, there might be some guy out there, maybe a friend of his that's a lot smarter than him, that's going to put you to shame and make you look like an idiot. And now you're not going to get things solved because you involve people that shouldn't. And so here's the thing you've got to understand about a debate. No one has ever admitted they were wrong and changed their mind after a debate. It, it just... I, I mean, I'm sure it's happened somewhere, but not in public ones, okay? Not in public ones. We're mainly talking about public debate here. I mean, has there ever been a presidential debate in history where they were arguing about something and then one guy gets stumped and the other one was just like, you know what, you're right. Vote for this guy. Has that ever happened? No, and it never will. You know, no matter how bad, no matter how bad they get proved to be lying, they never admit it. They just... You know, they just start, you know, dodging everything. See, because once the pro the public gets involved in any controversy, just mark this down. Once the public gets involved, pride comes in. Every time. Look at what it says in John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, what's this Pharisee doing saying, we know that you come from God? Weren't the Pharisees the ones going against Jesus all the time? But yet here we have Nicodemus who comes by night. 
Why did it mention that? He came privately. You know why? Because he was ashamed to come publicly. If he came publicly and his, friend, his buddies find out, his fellow Pharisees find out, they're going to hammer him. And so he comes and he admits to him privately. Hey, we know that you're sent from God. Look at all these things you're doing. And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so notice when Jesus says, says this, Nicodemus doesn't get it, does he? Here we got Jesus and Nicodemus by themselves. And Jesus stumps him when he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, how can a man be born when he's old? He, he doesn't get it. And then notice what Jesus says to him, because this is kind of mean right here. He said, when Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about, he said, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Really? Nicodemus, so you're a leader in Israel and you don't understand what I'm talking about? That's kind of an insult, isn't it? But you know what? It was fine because Nicodemus was alone. There was no way for him to be embarrassed by this. Verse 11, Verily, verily, I say to thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. And so in this, in this passage here, you know, Jesus, he kind of, I mean, he does, he stumps Nicodemus, then he kind of insults him. He questions, you know, his qualifications for being a leader when he doesn't understand these simple truths. But the reality was Jesus was trying to teach him a spiritual truth. And I believe Nicodemus got it where if this would have happened in public, I don't think he would have. But it was something that took place in private. And so they were actually able to get somewhere and accomplish something. And that's why if you actually want to win people over, you're better off talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, when we go soul winning, it's often nice when you're talking to a group. But what's one thing we often try to do when we're talking to a group, we look and we're trying to discern whether or not the group is receptive. And how many has been there before when you're talking to a group and a lot of them aren't receptive, but there's maybe one or two that are. And you know what you typically do? That's typically where the silent partner comes in and one takes care of the talks to the scorners and keeps them occupied while the soul winner goes and he focuses on the ones that are receptive, that are ready to learn. Because if you, you know, yeah, it's fun getting the group to all get saved at one time, but the chances are the group's not going to get saved. So what do we do? We try to separate them a little bit and focus on the one that's going to listen. Because we're trying to get pride out of the way. We're trying to remove these things so people listen. Because even at the ultimate gotcha moment that we see in the Bible, no one publicly repented. Now, what was that moment? You don't have to turn there. We know this passage forward and backwards. But in John chapter 8, remember when the people brought the woman to Jesus to be stoned? She had been taken in adultery. And then, man, they have him now. They've got Jesus. He's cornered. If he says stoner, he's in trouble with the Romans. If he says don't stoner, he's in trouble with the Jews because he's going against the law of God. Jesus stumps them all, says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And they just walked away, didn't they? they just, but nobody stood there and said, you got us. You know, you're right. They just, they walked away. They They avoided it. And I'm telling you, when it comes to public debate, the people that you're debating publicly, they don't get right. They don't change their mind. All it does is it causes pride to set in. And then we've got, you know, we don't accomplish anything. And so Jesus, so he would often engage publicly with people, 
but it was for the benefit of those who were listening, not for the ones who just wanted to debate. Look what it says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 35. So it says, And Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, How say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore himself called him Lord, and whence is he his son? And the common people heard him gladly. That when Jesus said this you know, to these leaders, it, it wasn't really for their benefit. It was for the benefit of the people listening. And understand, a lot of people who do public debates, you know, that's usually their goal is not to win over the person they're debating, but people listening. And I can't go as far as to say that that's always wrong, that that's always a sin. I do believe there's a time and a place, but I do think there's some discernment. That's involved. I think you need to know how to properly judge these things because, you know, there are sometimes, though, when it's pointless to even speak. In Luke chapter 23, in verse 8, this is when Jesus is on having his mock trial. It says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have, some, have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Jesus didn't answer any of Herod's questions. And I think the reason is pretty simple for that. I do believe that like all the Herods that we see in the Bible were just full-blown reprobates. There's no doubt about it. And so when Herod comes, he's excited to see Jesus. Is it because he was anxious to learn? No, he hoped to see a show. Well, this is a guy that does miracles? Hey, let's, let's see a show. Let's see him do a miracle. So he starts asking Jesus all these questions, but Jesus is silent. And it says in the chief priests... And scribes stood and vehemently accused him, and Herod with his men of war set him at naught, and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. So notice that those also that were there, they're vehemently accusing Jesus. And Jesus didn't even say a word. You know why? Because nobody there was going to have their minds changed. And Jesus knew that. Jesus looked at the crowd. Jesus looked at the people he was surrounded by. And he was able to discern that it is pointless to talk to these people. And you know what? There's some people that's just pointless to talk to. There's people out there that accuse me of stuff. And it's pointless to talk to them. They're, you know, it's, it's pointless to talk to the angry mob. It's pointless. You know, when the villagers come with the torches and pitchforks, it's time to run. It's not time to talk. Okay. They came to see somebody burn at the stake. They came to see somebody hang, and you're not going to change their minds. And then they'll do, they'll throw out all these accusations. I, I, you know, people, when, I, when, when that kind of stuff comes towards me, I don't even answer these people. Now, if I think someone's sincere, if I think, you know, responding to something, you will help reach a group that's sincere, I'll do it for those people. But when it comes to those who just vehemently accuse, forget them. Forget them. It's pointless to talk to people like that. It's pointless for me to just get up and just debate accusers. You know, you think some of the just the goofballs out there that accuse our church and they accuse some of our friends of crazy things. You know, I'm not going to go and have, you know, have a debate online with Robert Tuttle. I mean, these guys, guys like him have proved that they're just liars. Okay, even this week, the stuff that they were saying about the conference in Ohio was just flat out lies that they know are lies. They were literally trying to stir up a mob. They were hoping to you know, inspire protests. They were hoping to stir things up. They, and and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to these guys. I'm thinking, they know better than that. 
They know better than to think that any of these churches are legitimate hate groups. They, they know better than that, but they're just vehemently accusing. You know why? Because of all the hatred that's in their hearts. And they're using carnal means for what's supposed to be a spiritual battle. Okay? Listen, if somebody is preaching something that is false, okay, that is a spiritual matter. We don't use carnal means. That's why we don't support the government shutting down bad churches. We don't support that. We don't use the government to do to fight our spiritual battles for us. We reject that. Say, so, well, they did it in the Old Testament. Yes, the Old Testament, they had a physical nation, they had a physical law, and they were supposed they were supposed to they were they were supposed to enforce those things. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And did you know what? You can't stop people from worshiping other gods without carnal methods. You know what it takes to stop people? You know, you know how we get our country united in religion? We kill the infidels. That's what you do. That's what they, How do we think these Muslim countries are almost 100% Muslim? You know why? Because they kill everybody that's not Muslim. And, you know, that is not what we have been called to do as Christians. So we don't do that. We're not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to encourage our government to implement something like that. We are a spiritual nation today. Israel was a physical nation at one time, but you know what? They failed so bad because they weren't holy. They couldn't keep the law of God and they got destroyed in 70 AD. They're done. We, Israel now is a spiritual nation and we don't use carnal methods, folks. And we will never support the killing of people who are not Christians. We will never support if, uh, you know, our government killing somebody, even if they have an idol or something like that. You know why? Because this battle we're fighting is spiritual, not carnal. So you see the difference that's there? And sometimes we have to, you know, have the proper discernment to understand these things. And when Jesus is, you know, up against these mobs, they weren't interested in truth. And so he just didn't speak. It was pointless to do that. They were always just looking for things to accuse him. And so understand, when you go and you get in the middle of a debate with somebody, chances are you know, it, you're just doing more damage than good. And there is a time, there is a place, there is a way it can be done, but it's, it's very dangerous. And I'm definitely not going to go looking. I, I'm not going to stand here today and say, I will never do a debate. I won't go as far as to say that. But I can promise you this, I'm not looking for one. I'm not looking for one, and I have already turned down many. And I, so far, have not seen a good opportunity or had a good opportunity presented to me that I think would accomplish good. I've not seen it, but I'm not going to say that it, it will never come or that it can't happen. Because another thing, too, you got to understand about debates, and we saw we see this in the presidential debates, we see this in any kind of debate, whether you're debating with somebody on Facebook or on YouTube comments, or whatever, is no one ever properly represents the other's position. Now go over to John chapter 2 and verse 18. This is just human nature stuff. That's why it's exactly the same today as it was in Jesus' day. Look what it says in chapter 2 verse 18. It says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple. He said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 
Forty and six years was his temple in building. Wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So it was very clear when Jesus said these words to these people that he was telling them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And that he was talking about his body. Okay. Now, look what it says in Mark 14 and verse 58. There it says, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And within three days, I will build another made without hands. But neither did their witnesses agree together. That's not what Jesus said, was it? They misrepresented. They misquoted. You know what they did? They lied. And it says, and the high priest stood in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answer it thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing again. The high priest asked him and said to him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? So notice how these guys are lying about Jesus. They're misrepresenting him. And then the priest said, Hey, you know, don't, don't you have anything to say about this? Listen to what these people are saying. And Jesus said nothing. You know why? Because if they would have cared about the law, they would have seen their witnesses don't agree together. Therefore, their testimony is no good. For Jesus to have answered these witnesses would have been a shame because of the fact it wasn't a legitimate witness. You have to have two or three witnesses that agree together. And theirs did not agree. It spoke for itself. And isn't it funny how, like, in a presidential debate, you know, you'll have one candidate get up and say, you know, this person wants to do this. this and, and they're like, no, I don't. You know, they, I mean, why is it that they can't even agree? Here's where we're different. You know, they, they can't. You know, and part of it, usually it's because they're both lying. But ultimately, it's because they never accurately represent the other person's position. See, some people, too, when they ask you questions, and I, and I get these, and I've taken the bait before. I've taken the bait. i got to watch myself in this. Some people are just looking for sound bites. Some people are just looking for screenshots. In Mark chapter 12, in, in verse 13, it says, And they said unto him, and then send unto, they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees of the Herodians to catch him in his words. Let's send people there, not to find out what he thinks, not to find out what he's, you know, because we're interested in what he says, Let's see if we can send somebody there and let's see if we can trip him up in his words. And listen to what they did. And when they were come, they said to him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, nor regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God and truth. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? I mean, look at how they flattered him before they asked him this question. And again, if he says, if he's like, hey, yeah, Caesar can you know, have it. Well, then the Jews are going to be mad because they all hate Caesar. And so they can turn people away, Jews away from Jesus. But if he says, no, nah, Caesar's a scumbag. You know what? Taxation is theft. You know, if he had said something like that, then they'd have went and they'd accuse him of Caesar. That's exactly what they would have done. And so they weren't trying to learn. They weren't trying to find out how to live their life. They were trying to get him in trouble. They were looking for a soundbite. And I, I, mean, I have people do that to me all the time. And let me tell you something. Be careful texting people these days. You know, be careful the comments that you leave. Because people are, they're asking questions, not looking for information. They're looking for a screenshot. 
And if they can get the right words to come out, and if they can show that picture out there with your face by it and those words there, and then they, they can turn it into something that's not, they can take it out of context, and they can use it against you. And people have done that to me many times, even recently, in just, I mean, dirty, dirty ways, have just taken things I said and on purpose, taken it out of context, sharing it with people, just looking to accuse just looking for something, and I think that is about as wicked as it gets. And so, and again, I mean, what, what's the benefit? Okay, you know, like, why would somebody try to trip me up in my words? Because they see me as an opponent, and they need to make me look bad. It's not about finding out what does Brother Tommy really think. It's about what can we use against him? What, would we, what can we find to accuse him of? And so what... You know, people often do is they always use the biggest extremes. And isn't that what they do in the political world? You know, they, they use what I call, you know, shoestring sins is what I call them, right? Now, what's a shoestring sin, right? Well, we all know what a shoestring relative, right? So, like, if I have, if I'm related to somebody, you know, that Brother Renee is related to, you know, we might not be related to each other, but if we have a common relative, you know, you call that a shoestring relative, right? So we're not really related, but yet we kind of claim relation. And one thing that I see going on big time today is shoestring sins. All right. So how, how does that work? Well, you know, it's nice if we can, you know, if we don't like somebody, if we see somebody as an opponent, it's, it helps if we can say they're lost or if we, especially if we can say they're reprobate. You know, it helps if we can prove they're lost or a reprobate because then, then we don't have to deal with the fact that, you know, maybe they're different than us on a single issue, okay? So what do people do? Instead of just, you know, because, you know, if, if Brother Austin preaches something that I don't agree with, and a bunch of you are listening to that instead of me, you know, that hurts my pride. And, you know, if I want to intimidate you guys into following me, you know, if it would help if I'm able to say, Austin's unsaved. It would help. But if I'm like, well, you know what, Austin's saved, he's a good guy, he's still a good Christian even though he believes this, then a lot of you might be like, well, there's no big deal, I'm going to believe it too. But it, it, So it will help me if I can say he's lost. And so what we do is we start connecting verses that don't really connect together. For example, I could take 2 Corinthians 11.4, it says, If he that cometh and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might, not, you might well bear with him. So we see there's another Jesus. There's another gospel. It says in Galatians 1.8, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached. Let him be accursed. They're not saved. If you preach another gospel. If you preach another Jesus. And then Titus 1.16 says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being an abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. So notice it says there, that they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. And the Bible says they're reprobate. So the thing is, if you say, for example, let's say you don't believe that Jesus went to hell. Well, obviously you don't know Him. Obviously you're preaching another Jesus. Therefore, you're reprobate. Well, you know, people can actually disagree on that and still be saved. But what do we know? It's a different Jesus. Oh, wait, you know, you're adding something to the gospel that wasn't there. It's another gospel, unsaved. And so there's like connecting, they're connecting all these verses that don't really connect. And, you know, hey, 
just, did you know you can be right on an issue and still get beat in a debate too? And just admit that, hey, that guy made you look like a monkey in a debate. And you were right, but he made you look bad. You don't have to take away his salvation. Right? And I mean that figuratively speaking. All right? We all understand that. I mean that figuratively speaking. Okay? When, in, in, in my vernacular, when you tell a saved person they're not saved, okay, that, I, I call that taking away their salvation. Obviously, I do not think you have the power to do that, but I'll say that. And so people, they connect these things. So another example in the political world, you know, people try to say that Trump's racist, okay? Now, I'm not up here to defend Trump, but I haven't seen the evidence that Trump's a racist. But what do they do? What did they do in the last election? David Duke endorsed Trump. David Duke, KKK. Is it KKK? Yeah, he's KKK. Therefore, he's a racist. He's got connections to the KKK because David Duke endorsed him. You know, we can't always help who, people, who likes us. We can't. I've gotten in trouble before because of people who have commented positively on my videos. I'm sorry, I didn't know they got kicked out of a church. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't know they were reprobate. I just saw, you know, a YouTube name that I don't recognize. I can't help it if they happen to like my sermon, and then I'm the bad guy because of that. What are they trying to do? They're trying to connect me to a reprobate, trying to connect me to something evil, you know, and especially if it's something, you know, where I maybe, you know, maybe disagree with somebody. And that's just garbage, folks. That's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's not the right thing to do. And so, but if, here's the thing, if people are honest in what they say, you know, it doesn't always get what people want. So for example, one of the things I heard Trump say in the election is that Joe Biden will destroy this country. Okay. Now, some of y'all agree with that, but you know, can I give you an honest opinion? You know, I believe if Joe Biden becomes president, I think our country will still survive. So how do you think, how, how, how could you say that? Because everybody told me if Obama gets elected, he's going to destroy this country. Listen, I hated John McCain in 08, but everybody's like, we have to vote for him. Obama will destroy this country. Like, oh, fine. You know, you, you go, you vote for McCain. And then, you know, four years later, it's Romney. I hated Romney more than I hated, you know, John McCain. Everybody's like, you got, you know, we, we cannot do it. We cannot handle four more years of Obama. But you know what? We're still here. I mean, you know, we did fine during the Obama years. And I, and I think, and people are like, no, we got over Trump. Crooked Hillary gets in. That's what they say all the time. And Trump, during the debate, he said, Joe Biden's going to destroy this country. He, you know what he's doing? He's using an extreme. He's got to use the biggest extreme. You know, he can't just say, well, you know, I think if Biden becomes president, you know, I think the country will still be fine, will still be strong. I just think it'll be stronger if I'm president. I think we'll be slightly better. Now, you realize that's probably a more accurate statement. But it doesn't sound as good, does it? It doesn't get the base fired up as much. You know, and so if there's a preacher out there that doesn't like me, you know, he can't just get up and say, you know, I like Pastor Tommy. He's a good guy. You know, I don't totally agree with him on everything. Uh, but I think he's, you know, getting people saved. I think he's off on a few things. But at the end of the day, he's a good guy. No, no. It's got to be unsaved. He's a heretic. You know, he, you, know, the, you know, he's got you know, the biggest extremes. That's what people have to go to. And you realize that's what happens in debate. In debate, everyone goes to extremes. You never see people just go and just mildly disagree. It's always the biggest thing that it possibly can be. And that's why, and one thing, you know, I learn a lot of mistakes that I make. I see a lot of my faults through watching other people mess up. 
That, that's how I learn most of my problems. Because most of us, you know, we can never see our own problems, can we? We just, we're not good at it. We're not good at looking in the mirror and seeing what's wrong. But for me, the way the Lord often reveals my problems is by showing it to me through other people. When I see other people doing stupid stuff, and then it's like, you know, and then I'm like condemning them in my mind, and it's like the Lord slaps me upside the head saying, you do the same thing. That happens all the time. And let me tell you something. Something where the Lord has slapped me upside the head and told me, I got to stop doing this, and I hate it. This is going to be tough for me to give up, or I'm trying to quit. Okay, right. maybe some of you smokers that know how to do it, you can help me, you know, get through this addiction. But, you know, we got to watch this debating other people from the pulpit. Okay, because, folks, you know how easy it is to win that debate? You know how easy, you know how easy it is to win a debate when the other guy's not standing there? Because, again, are these people ever accurately represented? No, they're never accurately represented. Oh, this is, you know, and what do they do? Hey, he teaches this, therefore he thinks this, therefore he's this, therefore he's reprobate. No, no, actually we just disagree on that one little thing. And actually, no, you misunderstood. You know, no, you're not getting the point. You're not getting the picture. You didn't understand what I was saying. You didn't understand the context of what I said. But if the person is not there, how can you, you know, how, how are we going to know? And so when a preacher gets up and they're just, so-and-so says this, let me, I'm not saying you can't do that. I think you can, but you better be right. If I'm going to get up here and I'm going to go and start quoting another preacher, I better be right. If I'm going to start representing his opinion or his position, I better be right. And if I get up and I talk about another preacher and I'm saying he thinks this and he's doing that and it's not true, it's a misunderstanding, it's a misrepresentation, and then I get up and I'm dropping the microphone like I just destroyed him in a debate, you know what I am? I'm a punk and I'm a coward if I do that kind of thing. And, you know, sometimes we might just have to be forced. You said, by the time, how are you going to do that? You know, what are you going to do if you're not allowed to debate other people when they're not standing there with you? I might just have to preach the Bible. I might just have to get my point across without name dropping. Yeah, that's not going to get any views on YouTube. Yeah, but it might get some truth out there on YouTube. It might force me to behave myself a little better. if it is. Because I'm telling you, I mean, I've, I've watched people debate me from their pulpit when I'm not standing there. And it's just like, that was ridiculous. That was a hor- I mean, that was a poor representation. But I mean, you know. They get their little posse's surrounding them too. They're, you know, you seen, you all have seen those things on TV. There's all those black kids, you know, reacting to the guy. You know, it's it's like, you know, I'm telling you, at church today, it's becoming like those yo mama battles that they had, where the guys would face off with each other and they start doing yo mama, and you got the people behind them reacting and everything. That stuff is so carnal, but it's hilarious. But I mean, churches turn into that. Except I'm standing. It's like I'm standing up here. And I'm just trash talking somebody, but they're not even in front of me. And then I get my posse behind me. You all, whoa, you know, just re- reacting to these things. Man, you really nailed him. No, I didn't. I misrepresented him. That's not even what he thinks. That's not even what he said. You know, and, and I'm tight. You know, you know who's had a rough, you know, this has been a rough year for straw men. Straw men are struggling. This year, they have been, so many of them have been ripped to shreds. And you know what? I think part of it too is being in election season. 
you know, election season, that's when we see all these stupid debates. And let me tell you, this has been a bad year for straw men. Many have been just ripped to shreds and destroyed. But you know what? Not many minds have been changed through these things. And so we got to watch out for that. So, uh, you know, often Christian in the Christian world, we, we see, you know, we see people being accused practically of being the devil himself. But yet these same people that we can accuse of being devils go on. They continue preaching the truth. They continue getting people saved. They continue displaying fruits of the spirit. But yet no one ever apologizes, do they? Does anybody ever apologize for this stuff? No. Has anybody after a debate, you know, I, I really misrepresented my opponent in that. And the next day on the news, they're talking about, how do you think you did in the debate, Mr. President? Well, I think I did pretty good. But, you know, I did, I did one time say something against my, you know, my opponent that wasn't right. I didn't get the facts right on that. No. What do they do? They have, I mean, they literally send people out that are like professional spokesperson to, to make it look like they weren't wrong. You know, I mean, Trump, one of the areas where he's brilliant is that Kaylee McKenna, whatever, whatever her name is, she does a good job of making him look like he's always right. And, and, but at the same time, and that's got to be the toughest job in the world, being a press secretary for a president, having to cover for their lies and blunders and stupidity all the time. I, I just can't even imagine a job that would suck the soul out of me more than that to just you know, I mean, that, that poor lady, she had to get up after Trump's talking about injecting bleach and stuff like that. And she, you know, she's got, she does a good job. But what that must do to her soul. You know, and it's like, why, why can't these people ever just get up and say, you know what, man, I, I was stupid. I messed up. You know why? Because it, it just doesn't happen in the debate world. It doesn't. And it's sad. And so, because, uh, you know, 99% of what's said in debates is just a bunch of hot air. But then lastly, real quick, debate often brings more awareness to the lie than it does the truth. And this is where we have to discern. This is where we could have an opportunity to do a debate. And you're not necessarily sinning. And I don't have time to go into the examples, but, you know, we do see examples where the Apostle Paul would find himself, you know, in the midst of thousands of people. And he was constantly going, disputing with the Jews and disputing with uh, leaders in these other places. He's kind of debating. We see in Galatians 2, verse 4, it says, And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. When people came into them bringing in lies, they didn't give them a platform. They didn't give them an opportunity. If some guy comes in this church and like, you know, Pastor Tommy, you know, I believe in modalism or I believe in Calvinism and I think I deserve a chance to get my side. You know, let's have a public debate in your church on Calvinism. We're not going to do that. You all hear the truth in this church when it comes to salvation. Why would I invite somebody in and give them a platform to spread a lie? Okay. But would it be wrong for me to use someone else's platform to get the truth out. You know, for example, you know, I've seen preachers go on the news. We know the news are a bunch of liars. Do you think I would ever let, you know, anybody from Fox News or CNN come and speak here and tell you what to think on stuff? Absolutely not. But would I go on there and do it? Yeah, because that gives me an opportunity to spread truth to pe to a group who normally doesn't hear it. So we do kind of have a double standard with this stuff. 
We won't let them use our platform, but if they'll be dumb enough to let us use their platform, we'll use it. Okay? You better believe we'll use it because we do. We want to get the truth out there. Paul went into the synagogues. Hey, if they're going to allow him to speak, I mean, he's got a chance to get the truth to a bunch of people. But he's not going to let those people come in and speak in his church. So when it understand, when it comes to something like that, you know, there may come a time where if an opportunity was presented where I feel like I would be, I'm capable of making the cause look good, if I'm capable of getting the truth to a, a massive audience that doesn't normally get the truth, I may take advantage of that. But I'm never going to let, you know, false prophets and bad people use my platform to spread their lies. That wouldn't be right to do that. That's not going to help truth. And so we, you know, we don't want to give a platform to wicked people to spread lies. So there is a time, there is a place we might have an opportunity to use the platform of the opposition to expose the truth. But so we, we got to use some discernment. It says in Acts 17 verse 16, now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. This whole city is given over to idolatry. And it says, therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with them. He's, he's disputing, he's debating with these people. Why? Because the lie had already completely permeated and taken over this place. He's trying to get truth in there. And so it says, then certain philosophers, the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And so the Apostle Paul, he went in there and he preached truth to a group that had not received the truth. And so if I see a pastor or a preacher or, or a, a Christian, you know, wisely use a bad person's platform to get truth out there, I can't necessarily say that that's a sin. But at the same time, it's a dangerous thing. You better be careful. Are you sure you're going to make this? Are you, you're going to make it look good? Are, you know, and we've got to know our limits. We don't want to get arrogant and just think we're that smart. And we might go and make a fool of ourselves and end up doing more harm than good. And I don't want to do that. And, you know, and I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a skilled debater. You know, I, I, that, that would not be, I'm, I'm not a good candidate for that kind of thing. And so the Lord's probably not going to provide a lot of opportunities for me to do that. And honestly, I'm fine with that, to tell you the truth. Because, you know, I don't want to make myself look like an idiot and I'm capable of doing that. Doesn't mean I'm wrong, but I could, I could end up doing damage. And so debate, you know, when the Bible talks about to that reprobate that's full of debate, that's not the guy who's just going to debates all the time. It's, but some people just argue with everybody over everything. I mean, there is constantly debate. And if you're somebody, you're just constantly in conflict with people. I mean, you're just debating everything. I mean, you just can't get along with anybody. It, that's a really sad, sorry characteristic. And there's a lot of things that we can debate and, and that are that are friendly. You know, boneless wings versus, you know, bone and wings. You know, we, we, we can debate those things. But if it's turning hostile, you know, you've got a real problem. You know, if you're losing friendships, you know, over these things, you know, and, and, and then, you know, you have a real problem. Because you're just always arguing with everybody. If every time I see you on Facebook, you're just constantly arguing with people, you know what? You got a problem. You're full of debate. Okay? And that, that's what that's talking about. And, you know, these, these people that are reprobate, that, they do. They just want to fight with everybody. They just want to argue with everybody because they're just so stinking 
carnal. And we don't want to be that way. So uh, there's a lot more we could have said in that. So that's all I have time for tonight. But I, I hope that helps you and, and understand. Because when it comes to debate, it is, it's, very, it's a very carnal thing. And proof of that is the ratings for the debate. You know, they're off, I mean, I don't know how many people watch that. You know why? Because everybody likes, car, you know, carnality and watching a couple old dudes get in a fight with each other. Okay? And, and it's, it's terrible. I mean, what do you do? Okay? What do you do when you're out in public and you see people start arguing with each other? Your eyes light up. You smile. You break out your cameras. You start filming. You start laughing. Hey, we were there and did it one time. We literally were, I mean, heading to a graduation and watching a girlfriend beat up her boyfriend. I lied. And you know what? We didn't cry about it. We were laughing at it. That, that was wrong. All right? you know, they shouldn't have been doing that. But, man, we can't help but watch stuff like that. If it's happening, we're going to watch it, aren't we? And if our president... And, you know, and presidential candidates are going to go and just make monkeys out of themselves. We all want to watch it, don't we? But as Christians, do we want to find ourselves in situations like that? I think we ought to try to avoid situations like that. And you know what? There's a time to debate, but I believe the best time is in private. And because we're, and we're doing it not to win an argument. We're doing it trying to win over somebody. We're doing it trying to help change somebody's mind in a good way. And we've got to remember, it is not in our nature to do it right. So we must be very careful. Debate is a very dangerous thing. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word and the help and the guidance it gives. And dear God, I pray that uh, this message came across the way I wanted it to, Lord. Uh, Lord, I don't want to create sins and just declare uh, all, something that's all, is always bad when it's not. But Lord, help us to have the discernment to know uh, when to do these things, when not to. Uh, help us to really do more what we can just to avoid it, and uh, but help us to be successful at changing the minds of people and getting truth out there. But, uh, Lord, uh, help us to be able to keep pride out of the way during these things. It is such a danger, and I pray you'll protect us. Lord, protect us while we're uh, online. Protect those that are on social media. Help them to have the wisdom to just stay out of some of the foolishness that goes on, Lord, so they don't make fools of themselves. In your name we pray. Amen.